Amen. And if you've not joined in yet, I see the pantry is getting a little more full, but if you're not joined yet, please do so. Got a message from Brother Cecil Pagel, the founder of the orphanage, right before service started, uh, the early service started, so I've not even had a chance to share that with uh, Shannon yet, but uh, he was just overjoyed to find out that we were doing a food drive. Uh, we, this was not something he'd ask us necessarily to do. He was so excited about that and uh, found out that there is, a, there is actually a truck going from here to Texas sometime in September, so that's why we need to wrap this up in the uh, next week or so. And so please, um, if you will, when you go to, the, go to the grocery store this week, just uh, pick up some extra stuff. And there, we still got uh, the shopping list back there, the items that can go, and, and uh, j- just, just those items. There's, there's several reasons why we can only send those items, so do that. Glad that you're here this morning. And I uh, want to get to the message. Let me set some things up. Let me remind you where we're at and tell you something, because this is conclusion of a, ser- a series but it's the beginning of something else. Because this uh, three-week series that we've done on restoring lives isn't a standalone. We didn't do this, and we're ending this today. This is actually the beginning of September. September starts Thursday, I know that, but this is the beginning of September, 30 days in September, some specific things that we're going to believe God for as a church this month. And here's the reason why. is because God was speaking that into us. There's some, there's some things that God shared with me, and I, I, I want to share those things with you in, in this message this morning but some things that God wants to do through us in September. And you've been hearing about it for the last two weeks, actually the last three weeks, even that very first Sunday uh, when we were talking about those things, that, that fit as well. But some things God wants to do that God has chosen to do through us in September. Now, first of all, let me, say, let me remind you, two weeks ago we talked about having the heart of a restorer. And that's one of the biggest things people are missing, Christians are missing today, is having the heart of a restorer. It is too easy for us to just walk by somebody with a need and not be impacted whatsoever. Maybe even not even, not even speak a prayer, even you know, hurrying by and not even, not even be touched. Too easy for us to, to no longer cry when we uh, read the headlines and we watch the news in the evenings. I don't know about you, but there's some things going on in our country today on the news and the headlines that, that rips my heart out. And uh, it should, be, as a Christian, it should still rip at us that way. We need to have the heart of restored. And if you don't have that, you need to pray, God, give me the heart of a restorer again. Now, last week, we uh, did something that really confused my wife when she came in and saw, saw writing all over the wall. If you weren't here last Sunday, it's probably confused you, too. Who in the world? There's teenagers get in here on Wednesday night right all over our wall, don't they? Now, she didn't say that, okay? But, uh, but we, we wrote names on the wall last week. Here's the question from last week. Whose life has God put you right in the middle of that he wants to bring restoration through you in their life? Who is that? And we wrote those names. Let me tell you something. There's not enough names on that wall. There's not enough names on that wall. I don't have time to preach you the whole sermon if you weren't here last week, but the walls get in our way, and that's why we wrote the names on the wall. It's the names that are important, not the wall. There's not enough names up there. There are more people in your life that God wants to restore than we wrote up there on that wall. And so at the end of this message today, we're going to have the the, uh, Sharpies out again, and you can write a name. I want you to think about that again. Whose life has God put you in the middle of? so that he can bring restoration. We'll write those names on the wall. We're still praying over those. At the end of the service, please pray over those. If you come in early, pray over those. Uh, in, in our prayer times, we've got a, a prayer small group meeting uh, on Monday nights. I want them praying over that. We've got another one starting uh, in just a couple of weeks. We're gonna be praying over that. So think about those things. And so now we're about to close this, this sermon series 
We're about to open 30 days of September. Pray with me. Let's go. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for for what you're doing. I thank you, God, for the great praise report from Mac and all the other things, God, that you're doing, Lord. And I I praise you, God, that that you've put these people on our heart that's already written on on the wall. But, God, I know there are other people on your heart that we have not yet, Lord, we're not really yet written the names down. God, and I pray, God, lead us, challenge us. And, God, I pray someone really hears you today. Someone hears you in their spirit. God, that that we as a church respond to the challenge, Lord, to step up and become, God, become the restorers that you have chosen for us to be for our community. God, to bring restoration, Lord, into into marriages, into homes, God, to to just the joy for some kids, God, uh, God, to to bring deliverance, Lord, for some that need that kind of restoration and to restore souls back to you, to your kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, do that. Have your will. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. I've, I had a cold earlier this week, and I'm still struggling with a little bit of this, and I hope it doesn't bother you, but I'm really having to push my voice a little bit. I hope it doesn't bother you too much. So let's go, and uh, let, me, let me set up. We're going to go back to Nehemiah chapter 1, and, uh, because I told you we're going to deal with this, uh, the prayer, right? I told you we were going to deal with that a couple weeks ago. So I want to go back and, and uh, deal, with that, deal with that prayer. And yeah, I forgot that in the first service, so Mike's reminded me to tell you this because I forgot to tell them in the first service. But the purpose of Nehemiah's prayer and fasting was to gather and restore others. Okay, four points about this, about uh, this September, 30 days of September. They're all right there. The purpose of Nehemiah's prayer and fasting was to gather and restore others. That is the purpose. That's what we've been preaching about. And listen, if all we do is we just preach this message, say that was good, pastor, and, we, and, and then we forget what we preached about and we don't take this into September and do what God has called us to do in September, then we've just taken up time. We've just, we've just spent time. That's all we've done. There's a purpose to these messages, and there was a purpose to Nehemiah's prayer and fasting, and it was to gather and restore others, okay? So Nehemiah chapter 1, let's look at, let's look at his prayer. So it was when I heard these words, let me remind you, in case you haven't been here, is that, is that Nehemiah has just heard, he's just gotten a report that Jerusalem is still destroyed. It was 90 years ago that they had gotten a permission to rebuild Jerusalem, and, uh, and the, the temple was rebuilt. It's been another 70 years, and nothing has been done in the city. And so Nehemiah is just hearing this report. He says, so it was when I heard those words that Jerusalem was still destroyed, that I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The reason he wept and mourned for many days is because he had the heart of a restorer. He wasn't like a lot of us that could see something that was destroyed and just keep, just keep walking by it. But he saw that that was destroyed, saw that that was, that, that was needing, needing restoration, and, and it, broke, it broke his heart. He had to pray. He had to fast. He had to, he had to weep. He mourned. And he said, here's the prayer, okay? He says, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please let your ear be attentive and your ears and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses. And so here's what he's doing right here. He, he, is, he is reminding uh, God of what he has already said. He said, God, you said this. You said, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you are cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place for my name. 
Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, I pray, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy. Talking about himself, he says, grant me mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. Okay, four things in that prayer I want to point out to you. A little bit of teaching here at the beginning of this message. Four things. The first thing he does is he says, God, this was your covenant. This is your mercy, okay? He, this, is not, this was not my idea. He didn't say, Nehemiah didn't say, God, look, I, I started thinking about this last night. Nehemiah didn't b- get a plan together. Nehemiah didn't build a covenant. He said, God, this, is your, this was your decision, God. You decided what the covenant would be. These are the promises that you made. These are the blessings that you have chosen to pour out on your people. And so here's the first thing I want you to understand is when you're praying, this is God's covenant that we're resting in. It, it amazes me that to hear people pray sometimes when they're praying for somebody that's not saved. It's like they're praying and they think they've got to change God's mind. They've got to talk God into saving somebody. And, and Jesus has already died on the cross. Why would we have to talk God into saving? We don't have to talk God into it. This, you need to remind yourself, this is God's covenant and mercy. So when we're praying for God to give restoration in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and in our places of business, places we work, places we go to school, and we're praying for God to bring restoration, it's not that we're asking God to do something he doesn't want to do. This is his covenant. It is his mercy that we're resting on. Secondly is repentance. He repented for all the people. He repented for his nation. He repented for his father's house. No, we cannot repent. We cannot ask God to forgive people that haven't also asked. You've got to do that personally. So somebody can't pray and ask God to forgive you. But think about it this way. We can ask God, Lord, just if you will. I know you can't like forgive their sin until they ask you. But just if you will, today, overlook their sin. Just, just look over it for just a moment, God, and see these people that you created in your own image that you have coveted with, that you want to do great and awesome and mighty things through them. And God, just, just see those things. And that's the prayer that we can pray. That's the kind of prayer that, a, that a, a woman of God needs to pray over her unsaved husband. That's the kind of prayer that parents need to pray over their kids that have walked away from God and they're living in, in some other lifestyle other than a Christian lifestyle. It's just, we just need to say, God, overlook their sin for just a moment. And remember, God, they were created in your image and that you've got this great, awesome dream that you covenanted with him about that you want to bring to pass in their life. And then he, then he said, remember, God, not just the bad, because, you know, there's some bad there that if we don't walk in your way, you're going to scatter us. But also remember the good of your covenant, God. Remember and bring the restoration because, God, this is your covenant. And, God, just, just overlook them for a moment and bring the restoration that needs to happen in their life. Oh, there's some moms, there's some moms sitting here, I, I, and I know I, I'm looking into some faces and I'm thinking about some of your children, and you need to be praying this prayer saying, God, just overlook them for a moment. Overlook their sin. Overlook the, the wrong way that they've been walking, God. Overlook it for just a moment, God, and remember what they've done. And God, remember that and restore to them the great promises that you've put in their life all of these years, the plan that you have for them. And then he asked finally, he asked for favor. Now, Nehemiah is specifically praying for favor because he's the king's cupbearer, and he wants the king to give him permission to go back and lead all the Israelites in rebuilding Jerusalem. And so he asked God for favor. He's saying, God, go before me. You know, whisper in the king's ear. Make, give him, you know, give him, make sure he's in a good mood tomorrow morning. 
Make sure, you know, he's, he wants to do something for me. God, did, remind him in the middle of the night or something about, you know, some things I've done for him. And God, give me favor with him so that when I speak, God, he will, he will, he will respond in a good way and a kind way to me. That's what he was, is asking for. And that's another way we need to pray. So let's wrap all this together. And let's think about the prayers that we need to be praying when we're thinking about God restoring people in our lives. And we've written some of their names down at the end of the service. Some of you are going to write some more names down. There's a whole lot of people around you in school. Tell me, come on, come on, guys. There's a whole lot more people in your school that God has put you in the middle of, and their name's not on that wall yet. There are a whole lot of people just in your family that's not on that wall yet. And here's the prayer we're going to pray. And for this month of September, I'm calling you. Starting Thursday, I'm calling you to prayer. Individually, personally, I want you to pray every single day. And here's the things I want you to, I want you to hear these four things again. I want you to wrap this up in this way. And God, this is your covenant. You have chosen to do good things in their life. I'm not asking you to do something you don't want to do. This is something you want to do for them, God. And so it's your covenant, it's your mercy that we're, that we're asking you. And God, even though, yeah, I know it looks bad what they're doing and what they're walking through and the way they're walking, the way they're talking, and the way they're acting, but God, overlook that for just a few moments. And remember, God, remember that you created them in your image and restore them to the place and restore the dream to them, God, that you dreamed when you were forming them in their mother's womb. And God, give me favor. Open a door and give me opportunity. Put them in a good mood tomorrow, Lord. And give me an opportunity and give me favor to speak just the right word and for them to hear and listen and to receive. And I know what some of you are saying. Well, well, pastor, isn't it just enough? Isn't it just enough to just pray? That's all God's called us to do, right? He just, we just need to pray and let God do it. No, that's not enough. I mean, that's what we want to do, isn't it? But that's not what Nehemiah did. You know what Nehemiah did? He also fasted. And now fasting goes hand in hand with praying. And you don't, you don't fast every time you pray, but you should pray every time you fast. Because let, let me explain to you a little bit of what fasting means. And, 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 and we just read that verse, uh, verse 4, and we see that, that Nehemiah fasted. It was a personal fast. But I want to go to Nehemiah chapter 9, and I want to read to you. And this is a little bit better picture of a fast. It says, Now on the 24th day of the month, of the, children, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting, meaning they weren't eating. They were in sackcloth. They didn't even wear their nice clothes, and they put dust on their heads. Then those of the Israelite lineage separated themselves. They separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. They stood up in their place, and they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for one-fourth of the day. One-fourth of the day. We think we've done a lot when we stand and worship God for 20 minutes. Amen or oh me? For one-fourth of the day they stood and they listened to the law being read. And then for another fourth they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. For a fourth of the day they read and for a fourth of the day they confessed and worshiped the Lord their God. Fasting is more than just doing without food. This is a fast. Fasting is not just setting aside food. Fasting is about even more. Let me tell you some things that fasting does and explain a little bit to you about what fasting is. I asked you last week to be thinking about this this week because I I wanted you to think about fasting because I know a lot of you have questions about what fasting is. And I wanted you to be thinking about this week so you could maybe start studying some. And then today, if you still have questions, you could ask me, catch me after service or an elder, somebody who's older than you in the Lord or, or a staff member and ask them some questions. But I've got some resources also I'll tell you about after service at the, at the close of this message, I'll tell you about also that'll help you. But let me tell you just three things about fasting. First of all, it will, it will uh, empower your fleshly body. It develops 
a spiritual, I'm sorry, it will empower your spiritual body, your spiritual being. It develops your spiritual strength. Because here's what, here's what fasting does. You know, every, you know we've, all, we've all got different temptations, right? I mean, some people are tempted more about one thing than other things. And, and then some of you are tempted about other things. You know, I could give you a list of a few things. But every one of us experiences hunger pains, right? Right? All of you experience hunger pains, right? You know? And you know what that hunger pain is like? You know, there, there's like, you know, if, if, if you're addicted to something, you know, that's what a hunger pain is like. I mean, it doesn't go away. I mean, you might be, you might be tempted by something in your life, and, and you might deal with that for a few moments, but, you know, something will get your mind distracted on something else. But a hunger pain? I mean, you know, you can be working. You can have five or six things going on around you, but your stomach's still growling, you know? And so that hunger pain is a constant thing. And that's why it's so important that we fast food if we're able, okay? There, there are some people medically who can't. There are very few, but there are some that can't. But that's why it's so important because that hunger pain is something that is just constant there. And here's the thing that happens. It's when you're constantly shoving down that hunger pain. You're saying, no, no, no. What you're doing is you're shoving down that flesh man. And what you're doing in your spirit is you're reminding your spirit man that he is stronger than your flesh man because as your spirit, as your spirit is, is conquering that, that hunger pain and saying, nope, I'm going to last through this. You're conquering that. You're pushing that down. And you're reminding your spirit man that he is stronger. You're reminding yourself. You're saying, no, I'm not going to eat this because my soul is hunger for, hungry for something more important today than, that, than lunch. My hunger is, or my, my spirit is hungry for something more important today than breakfast. And so I shove that down, and it is strengthening your spiritual body. Now, the second thing is, and I keep forgetting, I know it's an E, but I keep, is it empties us. It empties us. Because here's, here's what happens. is when we, when we fast, and, and when we fast, you fast food, you normally fast other things as well. They stood for a quarter of a day, to listen, guess what? While they were listening to the word of God being read and they were standing up, you know, they weren't watching TV. Okay, I, I know that was, you know, I know they didn't have TV, but just, just go with me on this. They, they weren't watching TV. You know, they weren't, they weren't uh, posting on Facebook. They weren't reading other people's, uh, you know, posts on Facebook. They weren't tweeting, you know. None of that was going on. While they were fasting food, they were also standing there, and they were connected to God. Listen, there was a word that, there was, a word that was mentioned there uh, called separation. And in the Old Testament, the word that is used most often in that separation is called sanctification. You might have heard that word. I've heard it growing up all of my life. And that word sanctification, in the Old Testament, if you look at it and you study what it really is, it is not so much being separated from something, it is being separated unto God. You know, it's not so much that you're just separated from something, it's being separated, from to, it's being separated to God. And so that's what they were doing, is in separating themselves, is in putting all these, saying, we're not going to eat, we're going to stand here, we're going to listen to the word of God. They weren't just fasting in that way, they were fasting to devote themselves to God during that time. And that's why I say prayer should always go with fasting, because it's the connection thing. This is more about connecting to God than it is about separating. Listen, God, God wants you, to, you know, he's the one that created food. And he created your tongue and all your taste buds. He, he, he created that so you would like food and enjoy food. God doesn't want you to just not enjoy food for a day. But what God is doing is he's saying, hey, put all that other stuff aside just for, a, just for one meal or just for a day. Put all that aside and, and come and spend time with me. That's what he's saying. Turn off the TV. 
and just spend some time with me and get to know me. And what happens is while you're doing that and all these other influences, you know, your Twitter and your Facebook and your buddies and your friends and your show, we all got our shows, don't we? And your show, none of that is pouring into your brain. But you got God pouring into into your brain because you're spending in some of that time that you would have been spending eating and watching TV. You're spending that time with God. And so what you're doing is you're pouring that in. It empties your spirit so that God can fill your spirit. It empties us. And here's how that plays into this whole thing, why it's so important. It's because what it will do then is it will enable godly boldness. Have you ever wanted to do something for God that you thought was really for God, but you were just a little nervous that maybe you dreamed it up yourself and God wasn't telling you to do it. You ever, you ever, you ever felt that way? Did you really want to step out a little bit on faith, but you're just a little nervous and weren't really sure? Maybe, maybe that's a little too far. That's the time to fast. Because what fasting will do is it will unplug all those other things around you. It, you know, unplug the TV. Turn the cell phone off. You know, shut your computer down. Get away from there. You're unplugging all those things, and none of those things then are speaking into you, and you're just spending time, you know, doing the things you have to do through the day and spending time with God. And so then when you decide, I want to do this thing, then what you know is, wait a minute, I've unplugged from all this. I'm not hearing this from all these other places. I'm only connected with God. I've been connecting with God. I am more connected with God right now than I've been in six months. I know this thing is from God. That's how fasting will enable godly boldness in you. Because then you will know the things that you're doing are on purpose, on God's purpose. And so now you say, well, you know, well, that'll be enough, right, to pray and fast for everybody? Nope. The praying and fasting, the purpose of that was to gather and restore. And a lot of us think, well, if I pray and I fast, you want me to skip a meal for somebody that not even my relative, that just because they've got problems in their life? Yeah, that's what I want you to do this next month. Well, that'll be enough, won't it be, Pat? No. You see, because that's the way a lot of Christians are. We pray and we might fast for somebody. But then we want to do what Nehemiah didn't do. Nehemiah prayed and fasted, and then he went to Jerusalem. He could have just sat right down by the king. He could have said, he said, okay, I've prayed and I've fasted and sat right back down by the king. But he didn't sit down by the king. He went down to Jerusalem. That's what a lot of Christians do, is we might, we'll pray, and we might fast a little bit, and then what do we do? We come back in, we just come to church, and we sit down by the king. We sit in his presence. Man, this is nice, isn't it? It's nice just being in his presence on Sunday. It's nice to feel this great, sweet spirit, you know, and just enjoy his presence. And we just, we just sit by the king. That's all we do. We just sit in his presence and say, man, this is wonderful. I just enjoy being by the king. And maybe also, you know, just feel a little, you know, feel a little bit of pride that other people look at us and see how much we enjoy the presence of the king. They think, you know, a little jealous, a little envious that we can enjoy the presence of the king as much as we do. But Nehemiah said, that's not enough. The heart of a restorer will not let me just sit by the king while people's lives are being destroyed. The heart of a restorer will not let you just sit here and enjoy the presence of the king every Sunday and watch people's lives fall apart Monday through Saturday. So I'm calling you also, not just to a prayer, not just to a fast, but for the month of September, I'm calling you to gather, gather. See, this is what, this is what uh, Nehemiah did. Nehemiah prayed that in, first, in the first chapter. He prayed for God to give him favor with, with the king, but then he needed favor later when he got to Jerusalem. When he got to Jerusalem, he went around, he went in the middle of the night, didn't want anybody to know what he was doing, but he went and surveyed the city, how bad it was, 
how destroyed it was. He didn't even tell the people that were there. The people he was about to ask to help rebuild the city. He just went around. And then the next day, it says, verse uh, 17 of chapter 2, says, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in. i got to give this to you. you got to see this. You know what he could have said? He said, Now look, guys, you see this distress that your city is in. His place was by the king. His seat was next to the king in the palace. But he left the palace. And he got down into the streets of Jerusalem where the destruction was and where restoration was needed. And he didn't keep himself separated from them and say, look, y'all got some problems here. I know he said, look at this distress we are in. He became one of them. He said, we are in distress. He chose their city. He chose their place. He became one of them. He said, look, this is our city and we're distressed. You know, we need, we need Christians. This world needs Christians. The people around you, their lives are destroyed. They need restoration. They need some Christians to walk into their lives and say, wait a minute, we're all dealing with this kind of stuff. You know, we need to remember that we're just like they are. The only difference is nothing in us. We're just sinners saved by grace. It's the grace in Him. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Without that, I mean, we're exactly the same as they are. We are nothing except what He has made us, and we are the same as them. And when we get out there, we don't need to preach to them. They don't need somebody to preach. They already know what's wrong. You know, ask somebody. They'll tell you what's wrong with their life. They don't need you to tell them. They need you to tell them what God can do in their life. And He said... You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me. Can I tell you this? You don't need to go out there and tell them what Pastor Rick said Sunday. Don't take them a, don't take them a sermon. Don't take them three points. For, you know, you, they don't even necessarily need to hear the, the last book you read that really changed your life. You know what they need to hear? They need to hear about the hand of your God which has been good upon you. God's been good to you. He's blessed you. If you're a child of God, He's done some awesome things for you. And if you don't know what they are, the first thing you need to do is you need to go find some time to be alone with God and start counting the blessings again. And you need to just get out there and just, that, that's your message. You don't need somebody else's testimony. You just need to tell somebody, let me tell you about how the hand of God has been good upon me. Oh, yeah, it's been trouble. There have been troubles. I, I've been in some low spots. I've been in some battles. But let me tell you, even in the middle of this. See, some of you say, well, I got so, I got so many problems in my life, I don't know that I... No, listen, listen to me. They don't need to hear about how your life is perfect. If you got a perfect life, you can't really bless anybody probably out there. They need to hear how God got you through the thing that you just came through. They need to hear how God is sustaining you in the middle of the thing that you're walking through today. They need to hear your story of how your God, the hand of your God, has been good upon your life. And he said, he's told them the king's words, and he said, let us rise up and build. Or they said, let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to do the work. No hesitation. Immediate. How in the world did he challenge those people in such short words? And they jump up. Yeah, let me tell you how it's going to happen. See, some of you are worried that you've got to have all the right words to be able to convince somebody to accept Jesus Christ. First of all, they already know they got a mess. But secondly, that's the reason for the prayer and the fasting. God, go before me. Prepare my way. Give me favor with them. Stir in their hearts, God, that they need 
this God that I want to tell them about and give me an opportunity to share with them the good things you've done for me. You see, I can't convince you. I quit trying a long time ago to convince people with my words. But something in your heart, you know, when something in your heart happens in the middle of a church, it's not because of the words of a man. It's because of the Spirit of God that's taken some words, but he's taken something so much stronger, and he's digging at you, and he's saying, this is for you, this is for you, this is for you. And God, if God will do that through me into you, then why won't he do that through you into them? He will. That's the reason for the prayer and fasting. And so I'm calling you to a month of gathering. Gather, draw people, invite people to come to church. Some people say, well, you know, I've heard this all my life. Well, I'm just prayed to sing. That's my thing. So I just, I, I do all my ministry on Sunday, yeah, for an hour and a half. You ain't got much more Christianity than the rest of us just because you're up in front of everybody if that's all you do. Whatever your gift is, use it. Use it to gather Let me tell you something I've also heard all my life. I've heard grandmothers. I've heard grandmothers go to their grandkids that weren't in church and say, now, you know your cousin's going to be singing in the the Easter program this Sunday, so I want you to go with me. Y'all ever ever had your arm twisted to go with one of those? You know, if that's your gift, if that's your calling is to stand up here and sing, then use it to draw people. Go tell your friend, hey, Sunday, I'm singing on the praise team. It's my week. How about come? You've never heard me sing. How about come and be in there with me? Some, I've heard people say, I'm called to pray, pray. That's all I'm called to do. I'm not called to serve. I'm not called to teach. I'm not called to do any of those. I'm just called to pray. I kind of disagree with that a little bit, but let me tell you, if that's what you're called to do, then use it to gather. When somebody says, this is, I got a problem, da, 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 then you need to say, well, let me, let, me, let me tell you, I just feel like I've got a calling on my life to pray for people. I want to pray with you, but I'd like for you to go to church with me. And, and, and I think something, use whatever you're called to do to gather people. Nehemiah was called to lead, and he led, as in this last thing. It's restoration. It was in the middle of the building that something bad happened. In the middle of building the wall, something bad happened. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1. And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. Here's what happened. Everybody is moving back into Jerusalem, starting to rebuild and everything. And they kind of got their lives out of sorts, just like you and I have gotten our lives out of sorts. And here's, what's ha- here's what happened. Is in the next few verses, what you'll read is you'll find out that they had mortgaged their houses beyond their ability to pay the mortgage. Mm. Somebody wants to say, stay there a while, preacher. Preach on that one. We're there. They mortgaged their houses beyond their ability to pay their mortgages. They were hungry. They didn't have enough food and they didn't have enough money to buy food to replenish what they had spent this past week, what they had eaten. They were hungry. They had needs and they had no way to provide for those needs. And they, had, they were behind in their taxes and they had borrowed more money than they could pay back in their, just the loans. And so now they owe big loans and they still owe taxes. Sound familiar? Sound like a generation you're growing up in, they were oppressed. They were oppressed. And and the sad part, really the sad part, this is a side story, I want to get into this, but the sad part of all of this is the people that were oppressing them financially were their own brothers. 
Jews were the ones that were loaning, and they were loaning money to their brother, their brother Jews with, with high interest rates, and they were being oppressed by their own. And so here's what Nehemiah did, is he used his calling to lead. And he gathered everybody together, and he said, this is not right. And look what it says later in the chapter. They said, he said, this is not right, we're going to change this. And they said, all these people, he gathered them all together, and they said, we will restore it. We were required. Did you see that third? We were restored. And we were required nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest. Nehemiah said, I called them and I required them to speak an oath before the priests that they would do according to this promise. And so Nehemiah used his leadership to gather the people and to restore them. Whatever your calling is, use it to gather people, to draw somebody to Christ and use it to restore. And they restored. They were restoring it. How did it happen? Not by Nehemiah sitting beside the king. I'm sorry, but what you're doing this morning is for you. What you're doing right now is for you. It's for, it's for God but to worship him, and it's for you. It is not for somebody else yet. Nehemiah knew if he was going to bring restoration, he had to get up out of the king's presence and get down to Jerusalem where the lives were, being, were still in, in destruction and bring restoration. And he had to use whatever tools he had to bring that. And some of you got some tools. Let me tell you what re restoration really is. This is what I'm calling you to in the month of September. And listen, this, is, this, this isn't for me. This isn't for me. I believe this is from the heart of God. This wasn't something that happened last night, last week. This has been something that we've been praying for for weeks. God's calling us to a month of restoration, 30 days in September. And restoring somebody is not about praying. Mike, you got that scripture, James, for me. I was in too big a hurry to use it. I mentioned this, I think, last week. James says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit him? He's still hungry and he's still cold. It's not enough to pray the prayer and to fast. It's not enough. Just gather the people. You got to finish the restoration. And restoring is simply sharing. I mean, you see it right here, don't you? What, what, what needed to be done? In, in this right here, what needed to be done in this verse? Food and clothes. And you got them, don't you? Got more food than you really need, don't you? And probably more clothes than you really need. Had a guy knock on my door one day. It was, it was snowing. He was trying to get on a bus, and he knocked on my door. I thought, oh, no, here it goes. He said, hey, buddy. He said, I am freezing. He said, it's snowing outside. I got to get to Huntsville. And I was waiting for the, you know, I was waiting for the ask on the money. He said, do you have a coat I can wear? Well, that was easy. I opened the door. Man, I got, I got yeah, I gave him a coat. He took my coat. That's easy. We got more than we need. Restoring is sharing. You need to, that's what, that's what it will take to restore somebody's life. You need to share. You need to share some of who you are. You need to share some of what you know. Share some of what you have. You need to share some of your time. We're in too big of a hurry to bring restoration. We want to pray a quick prayer and God bring restoration. It's going to take a little more than that. When you gather somebody this next month, you bring somebody to church, they come to the, they come to the front, they, they learn to know Jesus Christ, they come to know him through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, they become a, a new creature and they know him. Then when they walk out the door, that's not your last contact with him. They still got a life that needs to be restored. They need some of your time. They need, some of, they need some of your cell minutes. 
They need some, they need some of your, you know, your texts and your email. They need you to come walk by their desk and stop a second and say, hey, I want to know if everything's okay. They need some of your prayers. They need you to share, share some of your life with them. That's the thing we won't share. Just for example, there's some of you that have turned down more good jobs than the rest of us will ever apply for. You just got a knack for it. That's something, you just got a knack for getting good jobs. And you know what? You need to share that with somebody. There are people, not just on your, on your street, city streets or where you live in your community, there are people in this church that need to know what you know. How in the world do you do that? You, need to, you know what? You need, to be, you need to be leading a small group on job searches or, or building a career. There's some of you who need to do that. There's some of you that you, uh, you've, started, you've started a business on your, and you've done extremely well for yourself. And you need to share that because there are people in this church that need to find a way out of some financial bondage and you need to share with them. You need to lead a, you need to lead a small group on entrepreneurship or something like that. Call it something different. I don't know how many people would go to that small group. I guess entrepreneurs would. And some of you, you've dug out of the addiction of alcohol or drugs. Maybe you or somebody else in your life, in your family. You need to share that. You need to be leading a group on God restoring from alcoholism and drug addiction. You need to do that. This month, I'm calling you. God's calling us. And here's the thing they had to do. Nehemiah called, but the people had to ratify it and say amen. Would you say amen this morning by standing up and coming to the front? Let me finish this up here with you. Everyone that will. <coughs> September begins Thursday. Somebody say that. There are 30 days in September, April, June, and November. We're just worried about September right now. 30 days of September. Four things, four points from this message, four things we're called to in the month of September. Four things God wants to bring. He wants to bring restoration. Here's how they come, these four things. First of all is prayer. We're going to pray. I'm calling every one of you to pray daily. I'm calling every one of you to pray daily. Let me give you a couple of options also if you want to pray with people. Already, this is already happening. On Monday nights, there's a prayer meeting, a structured prayer meeting on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Starting Wednesday week. Now, Wednesday is the last day of August. This won't start till Wednesday week. But starting Wednesday week, there's also going to be, the church is going to be open at 7 a.m. on Wednesday mornings for prayer. And you, this will be a, a, a stop in, music will be playing, come in, find yourself a place to pray. If you've got a need, let me know. I'm going I'm to have the church open 7 a.m. on Wednesdays. Some of you say, well, neither one of those is convenient for me. Well, talk to me after service. I will loan you a key. I'll show you how to turn on the music and let you have the church open. And we'll let everybody know that you're going to have it open a third time. Love to have that. The important thing is, even if you can't make one of these, that you prayed, some of you still aren't praying daily. 
You've got to pray. It's got to be a part of who you are, your DNA. Pray daily. Secondly, is fast. A month of fasting. In this month of fasting, this is a, this is a, a shared call to a personal fast. This is one call. The whole church is being called to fast. But it's your personal fast. You've got to decide what you're going to fast. Go to the website. On the website, it's going to be right in front of you. You'll see the graphic from this morning's sermon, 30 days of September. Click on it. It'll take you to a page that'll give you a lot of resources, explain everything you probably need to know about fasting. If you still got questions, call me. You can ask me after service day. I got time. You've got to decide what you do and how much you do. And there are, there are some things you need, to be, you need to be concerned about, you know, and think about. But you need to, you need to fast some, some part of September. You need to fast some way. You need to find a way. I'm calling every single one of us to a fast. This will, this will be so much stronger if every one of us does this. And thirdly, is the gathering. You got one date up there. Let me talk to you about something else before we talk about that date. In the month of September, God wants us to gather. God is choosing this month. Therefore, I believe he's already out there before us preparing the way. You know, maybe there, there are people out there that are getting God's blessings even in spite of their sin. And I believe maybe God is taking his fingers out. He's taking a few blessings away from some of them a little bit more right now because he really wants them hungry for something better. He's out there preparing their heart. He's out there. Maybe he's letting somebody else also dig into them a little bit. And he's just waiting for, for you to get out there this month and invite somebody to service. And let me tell you about two dates. One, I didn't even think about this till the early service this morning, at the end of the early service. But in two weeks, you know what two weeks from today is? September the 11th. The 10th anniversary of September the 11th. And there are going to be a lot of people in church that day that won't go any other time of the year. That was a, you remember when that happened? You remember churches, churches filled up that next week? This will be on people's mind. This is an excuse. Listen, use the excuse. Use your call. Use your gift. Whatever. Use the excuse. Say, hey, it's September the 11th. My church is going to have a little something special. How about coming and going with us? Because we're going to have a little something special in the service, okay? And invite them to come. It's about gathering this month. And, 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 and I'll tell you this. My messages for the month of September... They are going to be on, on in, in introducing people to Jesus Christ. So this is going to be the perfect. God, God's orchestrated this. It's going to, you know, this is all put together. This is not an afterthought. God's orchestrated this. You need to get those people that are on that wall. You need to get them here. And here's, here's the other thing. I'm so glad. We just, we just moved the water baptism. We had it on the 18th. We moved it just this week to the 25th. And I'm so glad it, you know, it, hit, me, uh, it hit me the past couple of days as we were talking about moving it, that this would be even perfect because if, if those people on that wall come in, they get saved during this month, then at the end of the month, they can just join us in the water baptism. And even that Sunday, I'm going to speak to them about, I'm going to speak to them. And listen, we're going to do this big too. Too many churches, and we've done it too. Water baptism has been, we call it a public testimony. It's not been public. We've done it inside the four walls. Nobody knows what's going on. We're going to make this a big deal outside. We're going to have church outside. We're going to have water baptism outside that day. We're going to make a big deal of this. And we want a crowd. We need a huge crowd. So that day's a day you need to invite everybody you know. And if you know somebody that you had not even been praying for them to get saved or whatever, but you know somebody you can invite to come, tell them, say, hey, look, we've got this big, huge day. It's going to be outside, and we need our parking lot full of people because we want the community to know that Jesus is still saving souls. 
great opportunity for you to say, hey, just come be with us that day. And if you have never been baptized in water, you need to do it. And I, I, I'm going to be sharing some of that in the next few weeks, okay? But you need to do that. And if you, if you, if you do that, then you need, to, you need to tell everybody and your brother, listen, hey, I'm going to be baptized. This is a big special day in my life. And it would mean the world to me if you would be there and witness it. You see all these opportunities to gather? You see all these excuses to gather? You see all these reasons to gather? God's put all this together for us. So the month of of September, I'm calling you to gather. Let me ask you this question. If I were to prophesy to this wall right here right now, under the spirit and the power of God, prophesy to this wall that every person that was unsaved written on that wall, that they will get saved in the month of September. How many of you would run over here and grab a felt marker from, uh, from Tim and say, let me get my, my friend's name up there before he prophesies that. Think about it. If I were to tell you that every person that's on that wall is going to be saved in September, how many of you say, I got something I got to write on that wall in a hurry? Tim's got the markers right now. I want you to go ahead and move. Do it. You know somebody that you need to add to that wall? Go ahead and do it. Move right now. The last thing is the restoring. I'll talk to you while they're doing this. Small groups start in September. If you can't write and listen at the same time, then stop writing. If you're challenged that way. Small groups start in the middle of September. Kickoff is September the 11th. That same day, we're going to have a big kickoff, a big launch of small groups. All right, here's what I'm calling you. Every person in this church, listen to me. I'm calling you to do one of two things. Either join a small group or lead a small group. On September the 11th, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you to join a small group or lead a small Because that's where restoration, I don't have time to, I, I don't have time to preach you all the point that I had there about restoration and how that will happen in small groups. That's where restoration, and you need to either, if you're not going to lead one, you need to join one. Because in joining one, what that will do is that will give you a place to take people also. If they won't come to you to church, come with you to church, they'll come with you to small group. And there needs to be small groups all over the place. And listen, not just for, don't look around and say, now what can I lead a small group that these people want? Not, that's not what we're talking about. What is your gift? What is your ability? You know, so I, I mentioned in the end of the first service, the early service, I mentioned, you know, some of you ladies know how to cook, and we got some young ladies that don't know how to cook. That'd be a good small group. And you know, think about it. Think about it. And not just the ladies in this church. I'm talking about young ladies on your street. Imagine if you were to say, hey, I'm going to do a small group on cooking. It's going to be Paula, Dream, Paula Dean on our street. You know, I'm going to do a small group. On, and imagine you say, well, they're going to learn to, learning to cook. Will that solve all their marriage problems? No. But you know what? It's going to help in some areas. But what's going to be more important is the other stuff you're going to be sharing with them while you're with them. Whatever it is you know how to do, you need to start a small group. So I'm calling you to do one of two things. Either join one or lead one. Amen. Okay. So that's what I'm calling you to do in the month of September. Had you stand while I told you, while I told you all this that I'm calling you to do. You stood through that. You didn't, have to stand a whole, you didn't have to stand a quarter of a day. You just had to stand and listen to what Pastor is feeling the, feeling the Holy Spirit is calling us to in the month of September. And if you've, got, if you've got somebody's name written over here that's close to you, you need to be saying, thank God. You need to listen to this. God is saying, I want to restore them in September. You need to be saying, thank God. 
This is not my covenant. This is God's covenant, what He wants to do. You need to be saying, thank you, God, that you want to do this thing. So we've stood and we've heard. And now we're going to ratify it. Take the hand of somebody next to you, if you will. Join hands. And we're going to agree together in Jesus' name. If you will agree with this, that God is calling us, that September will be a month of restoring lives and restoring souls to Him, I want you to say amen. Come on, one more time. If you agree that September is going to be a month of restoration through the Spirit of God, say amen. Oh, let's pray. Father, I love you. Jamie's going to lead us in the last song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. God, I pray right now, Lord. We're trying to follow you, God. God, we're not trying to get out ahead of you. God, we've been praying about this for a long time. We've been, we've been moving in this direction. But God, we've been waiting on you, God.